Okay, this is the Sage Advice Podcast, and this episode is on New Wave Punk, and Angel is here on Google Hangout, as usual. And I felt like, I know a lot of my podcast episodes, I like do it to give you advice or like suggestions on what to check out on YouTube. But for this one, it happened by, I was going around in public and I was wearing my Joy Division shirt and some old man came up to me and he's like, what do you know about Joy Division? Punk. Like confident enough to do a podcast on it. And that's what I wanted to prove to this guy, telling me, what do I know about New Wave Punk and Joy Division? Angel, has this ever happened to you? Like, you ever wore a shirt and some guy's like, what do you know about that band? The only older people, like, I was working one time and I was wearing, like, a Ramon shirt or something. Someone's like, so do you actually listen to them or is it just the shirt? I was like, well, dude, like... Like, yeah, I obviously listen to them, that's why I'm wearing it. But, like, he got so, like, aggressive about it. I was like, all right. I mean, it's happened a couple times. It's happened with, like, a Beatles shirt, too, or something. And, like, people just get really weird about it. Like, it's not your band, dude. Like, calm down. <laughs> I just resent the fact that someone would think I'm the type of person that just wears a shirt to wear a shirt. Like, I'm not that person. I hate people like that. Don't put me in that group of people that I hate. Ugh. Yeah, and I can understand, like, the, like, why you you could get upset about that. Like, someone's trying to represent your subculture, your, like, ideologies, but they're not really part, or they don't really believe in it, or they don't really take part in it. But at the same time, like, I think the word, like, like poser has become such a meaningless term now just because it's like no one cares you know and it's like like i see it a lot in the metal community too it's like people are always like calling each other posers for like wearing a shirt for a band that they don't like and it's just so meaningless because it's like everyone has their own taste so it doesn't really matter you know (laughs) yeah well, it goes back to Kendall Jenner wearing a Slayer shirt. I believe it was a Slayer shirt. And then she, yeah. and like, you know that meme, and she's like, I don't understand people that like heavy metal music. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Kendall Jenner, stop. Forever 21, stop it with these, like, punk rock <laughs> shirts. I know no one in there understands what the Misfits is. But enough about that rant. Let's get back to why we're here. And it's to talk shit about the new Blink-182 album and Green Day album. <laughs> yeah, I listened to uh, the new Blink-182 album and I didn't like it. And, like, I'm not I'm not going to say that, like, hate, that I hate Blink-182 or anything because I, I don't. I actually used to listen to them a lot, like, in, in freshman year in high school. But, uh... Yeah, so I'm not just going to like talk shit and say that I never liked them or that they're not a good band because I, I do still like some of their songs even though I don't listen to them that often. But I didn't like their new album and I like I kind of touched on this before, but I think the reason I didn't like it is because like back in the 90s when they put out like uh, Enema of the State or uh, Dude Ranch, it felt more genuine because it was just like some immature like dudes in their early mid-20s like talking like just saying vulgar and funny shit and like i connected to that when i was like a freshman in high school 
but then like now it's like some middle-aged dudes who kind of just like it feels really out of touch you know yeah it just doesn't have like the same like i don't know like blink 182 for me always had like a like a character because of their like comedy you know and it, it, i think they like dropped the ball on their new album but like not to talk shit on them either like if that's what they want to do that's fine you know it's it's not my band it's their music so that's cool i just i wasn't a huge fan of it <laughs> well my issue with blink 182 is like every time they come out with a new album they're always like we're gonna break up we couldn't even fit- record this album because we hate each other so much and i'm like <laughs> stop trying to sell your music by saying you're never gonna make a new album and by the way, your album wasn't even worth it. That's why you guys are fighting. Because, yeah. yeah, they were cool in the 90s when they were telling dick jokes and showing their wieners on MTV. But now I'm just like, why do you sound like like so commercialized? Go back to being gross and disgusting. Uh. Like, why we all loved you is because you're gross and disgusting. <laughs> I mean, they have they have feelings now, but I'm like, oh, God. Chill. <laughs> but um, I also mentioned Green Day on this uh, rant before we get into the history lesson of New Wave Punk. And the reason I don't like Green Day anymore, I like their 90s music. Like, you'll catch me singing Basket Case when it comes on at the grocery store. But <laughs> the reason I don't like Green Day's, like, Air American Idiot and their new album and 21st Century Breakdown is due to the fact that you know they're just making their album because it's more commercial and more people will pick it up. Because right. it gets airplay. Like, they're all, they only have two songs in the 90s that actually get airplay, which is, uh, like, Good Riddance and Basket Case, if, if Basket Case even gets played. But I'm like, go back to where you belong. Being punk rock and underground. Stop doing this to all of us. And I think this is just a rant that all punkers have about every band ever that goes into commercial, though. Yeah, it's like, oh, I heard them on the radio. Fucking sellouts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what happened to me. I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> stop making money doing what you love. <laughs> yeah. I grew up around the time that, like, Green Day was, like, the biggest band in the world. And I was like, I, I just never really connected with it to begin with but uh to me it was just like it was it was fine like i didn't have i never really hated them but i was i never really got into them either so i didn't understand like their their huge appeal you know exactly like in in like the early to mid 2000s yeah i like during the 2000s when i actually saw their like music videos i was like why are their pants so tight? And, like, why do they look like they took showers? Like, compared to their old videos, like, you could tell they just, like, rolled out of their, like, shitty studio apartment and started shooting this album. <laughs> and started shooting this video that suddenly you see them and they're, like, cleaned up and have, like, a really good budget for their music video. And I'm like, this isn't what I came here for. But I think this is going to, like, us talking about this is going to lead us into New Wave Punk. Because that's what New Wave Punk is. It's bands that actually get airplay, and they don't look like they just rolled out of, like, they're softer. But then we get mixed up in 
Angel's going to tell you right now what the history lesson is. We get we lumped in all of these bands to new wave punk, and it's not us, General Angel and I. It's all of these writers of Spin Magazine and Rolling Stone. You know, all of them. They lumped them all into one. So we're going to do a breakdown of what actually is the new wave punk and all the bands that fall in the category and review them as well. So let's take it away with the history lesson first on what new wave punk is and who those bands are. So, so I, yeah, I was touching on this earlier, but like, what new wave punk essentially is is back in like nine between like nineteen seventy eight and nineteen eighty. You always hear like older punk rockers say that that's when like punk died, and that like everything after that isn't real punk because it wasn't like the Ramones or the Clash. Um, but back in like nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty, what happened was like. Punk didn't die, but something kind of drastic did happen to it, where it kind of it became really fractured, and even to this day, it hasn't really recovered from that. Because back in the seventies, even though bands like Blondie, the Ramones, the Misfits, and the Sex Pistols sound nothing like each other, like MC5, they sound nothing like each other. People just called it punk because it was like the the venues that they played at, the way they dressed, their attitudes, their philosophies. But what happened in the 80s is essentially punk at first kind of split into two like major subgenres. So you have bands like the Dead Kennedys, uh, Black Flag, Minor Threat, Fear. Uh, later on, you'll get like uh, the Germs, Circle Jerks, and Fugazi. Like, and you have those bands who really go back to the underground. Uh, aspect of punk and really go back into like the DIY aspect of punk and and that's kind of why today we still kind of see that one-upsmanship in punk rock where it's like oh you think you're hardcore like wait till you see what I can do or like you think you're underground like you don't even know so that's where that kind of came from that mentality but then the other uh the other aspect or the other subgenre that split off from punk rock was this fusion genre called new wave punk. And it essentially was like the punk attitude from the seventies of like, Oh, we're crazy. We're wild. We're like, we're rebels. And, uh, and that like flamboyant, like fashion, which was almost like borderline, like, like, like it was, it's known that they, that punk rockers in the seventies, especially in Britain actually bought their clothes from like sex shops. So they would like dress really weird and flamboyantly and they would wear like chains and like spandex pants and whatever. And, uh, what happened was that, uh, this, this new wave punk, um, was a lot softer sounding because they added fusions of pop of like hair metal of, and I think one that's actually pretty incredible or amazing is that they added uh, aspects of ska and reggae music into their sound. And that's where you get, like, uh, the later Clash uh, music or, like, the specials. You know, that's where you kind of get that new sound for punk. Exactly. And I like... Like Operation Ivy is also a good example of reggae ska mixing in to uh, punk music. And I like that a lot of these like new wave punk bands have like really badass names, but then you hear them 
And you could just kind of tell they lean more on the pop punk side. <laughs> yeah, like Jet Next or Devo, and you're like, oh, okay. But they are definitely more, they had like, I think like Devo was different because they added a more electronic sound to it. But like Gen X, which eventually like inspired like Billy Idol's single career, like that is to a lot of people that is straight up pop music, you know. But it had like the flamboyancy and the showmanship of like set punk to it. Yeah. Now I want to get into this in breaking down bands you actually think are new wave punk in your perspective. Some bands that I think are new wave punk is uh, anything the Clash did after like London Calling. Well, most of it. There's some that's still pretty pretty true to punk nature, but a lot of the Clash. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Gen X and like Billy Idol after that. Uh, Joy Division is took kind of a different route, but they were kind of lumped into that new wave. Uh, subgenre uh mostly because of their sound but they were they were different and uh i think the biggest one the one that people would recognize the most is a uh, blondie and i think the talking heads too like those are pretty much what i think of when i think of like the new wave uh of, of punk like in the 1980s yeah, and I want to talk about Joy Division with you because here's the thing about Joy Division. They are so new wave punk. They had the, like, okay, here's an example. Listen, viewers, listen to the song Digital by uh, Joy Division. And you see the elements of electronic, which is the 80s, which was new to punk. And then their lyrics alone were really punk rock. And, like, every, the few albums they had, they had very punk rock-like-esque lyrics. But their instrumental playing was very much new because they knew how to play their instruments. They played it well, but they played them hard as together like punk rock. Now, Blondie, on the other hand, I have a separate issue with Blondie. <laughs> I mean, I understand why they're on your list. But my issue with Blondie is that they just sound so pop I can't. I can't like even put them on the list of punk in general, even though she had the look. They all had the look. And I think that's why it's so weird to categorize new wave punk, especially because, like, Blondie has that punk credit because, like, they started off in New York in, like, 76 or whatever at CBGB. Uh, but, yeah, it's weird because, like, like, unlike hardcore punk, new wave punk wasn't exactly political. It lost that aspect of it, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, like... Like, you have political bands, like, you have The Clash that could be qualified, but then I think New Wave Punk kind of set up the 90s and 21st century, like, hipster culture in that it's more artistic, you know? (laughs) It's so true. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if The Smiths is categorized under New Wave Punk. When I was doing research, I didn't see them on there. But I know um, The Cure is on there as well as under New Wave Punk. So I love, love The Smiths. They're not punk rock, but their lyrics are very, um, I would say 
Okay, if we were talking about, like, emo bands, like, The Smiths is a classic emo band. Everybody wants to be deep and dark and sad and apathetic like Morrissey, but no punk band, no rock band, no emo band can be Morrissey, and that's why I think he's punk rock. You could just read his book that he wrote, and he's talking shit about every artist ever, the most iconic bands, he just talks shit about them, punk rock, doesn't care, he goes in there... And he goes on live television and sings, like, the darkest songs in the most beautiful voice. So that makes him new wave. He has dark lyrics, knows how to play his instruments, but then has, like... Now, have you right. do you listen to The Smiths and, and or Morrissey? Uh, yeah, I've listened to them. Like, I know who they are. But, like, I don't... I feel kind of guilty because a lot of people really like them. But I'm not huge on them, you know? <laughs> I just haven't gone into them yet. I don't think I've listened to them enough yet. Well, Morrissey and the Smiths are like, like I said, they're soft, but their lyrics are deep. So that's what makes them probably hard for like most punkers to get into. Like, oh, Morrissey is so, like, Morrissey is like how frat boys, like, frat boys hate Morrissey. Like, (laughs) he's just so soft. Right. (laughs) But I like it. And he has great lyrics. I think all of everybody, after this whole tangent... At least listen to Morrissey other than the Smiths as well. And then uh, Joy Division, I, I already told you about Joy Division. I love Joy Division. I love it. And then I think um, after Stranger Things came out, more people are getting into Joy Division. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to talk about um, The Cure. Do you listen to The Cure? Uh, not really. <laughs> okay. Well, they're always on the list of New Wave Punk. Or and they're on the edge of goth because if you see the front man, very goth, and right. he's like in his fifties now, and he's still work like working the same style but bloated now and thinning hair, and I love that about him. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much about the gear. And yeah. um, so here's some song suggestions. Since you don't listen to the gear, here's some ones to check out. Uh, Boys don't cry by the gear, and. Right. Uh, love song by The Cure. Alright. Those are actually the only two. I mean, they have other great hits, but I really only like those two songs at the moment. At the moment. They have really, they have other great songs. And listeners, um, go ahead and comment on some Cure songs, because I know a lot of you heard of The Cure in the Smiths for Angel to check out. (laughs) We're turning the tables on you guys. Give us some songs for Angel to check out. (laughs) And um, I want to talk about Sonic Youth. I know I talked about them in the punk episode we did. Right. But after doing research, I kind of like caught on to the fact that I know they're 90s, but they also hit the new wave uh, category as well. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about like new wave and like... 90s alternative music came from punk rock, new wave, and, like, heavy metal. Like, you'll have, like, influences of punk and heavy metal and grunge, but then when you think about uh, bands later on in the 90s, like uh, Weezer or, uh, or like, even, like, the Butthole Servers, you know, that is more of that, like, new wave uh, influence. But, yeah, Sonic Youth was definitely something different in that time now do you personally like sonic youth yeah what are your thoughts on kim gordon 
Um, I don't know enough about her. <laughs> oh, shit. She is so badass. <laughs> um, she works a lot with uh, Carrie Brownstein from, you probably, all, some of you know her from Portlandia, or if you're really hardcore, you know her from the band uh, Sleater Kenny in Wild Flag. <laughs> and Carrie Brownstein freaking loves Kim Gordon. I was watching this interview with her. Um, I'm going to post it on the Sage Schaefer Facebook page for you guys to see it. But Carrie's interviewing Kim Gordon, and I think that will really describe how bad, what a badass feminist punk rock icon Kim Gordon is. And um, if you saw Nirvana get inducted to the Hall of Fame, you see Kim Gordon singing uh, Aneurysm, and it was just so badass. And like the like the reason why she she like deserves all the respect and kudos she gets from all these women of punk rock. Right. Yeah, it was fantastic. So, Kim Gordon. Uh, she came out with a new single as well. Yeah. Well, what I liked about Sonic Youth is that they broke the mold of we have a female in our band, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's how, that was, like, something that bands like Hole or, like, L7 were really known for. It was like, yeah, we have a chick in our band, but, you know, like, we have some rad fucking music. We're not, like, and not talking shit on Hole or L7 because they have some pretty cool music, too. But, like, they they broke that mold. They, like, that wasn't even, I think that was, like, the best way to go about it for them, too, was to just be like, yeah, we're a band and one of us has a vagina, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even make a big deal out of it. They're like... We're making bomb ass music. Who cares that Kim Gordon is a girl? Like what? Like we're gonna make good music, and we're not gonna make her the front woman. We're just gonna make it a band, like so many other bands do, which makes her so cool. With like female punk bands, it was always like a niche market, you know. Like back in the seventies, or like Patti Smith was always like the outlier because she Patti Smith is great, but she was always kind of different than like what everything else was going on back then but like sonic youth was really one that was like you know we're we're rad we're a rad fucking band like and that's it you know (laughs) exactly yeah and i love that because that's where i kind of like there's some bands where you just not interested in because you know that's the only thing that makes them sales because oh, they have a woman vocalist, and that kind of just is not appealing. It's like, you know you're just doing that for commercial use and to get respect. Right, at all. Like, my my problem was uh, with, like, people seeing, like, a woman in a band, like, as a niche, like, idea or, like, something that's, like, almost, like, a personal preference rather than, like, actual good music, you know? Um, like, like, I feel like these bands like some of the ones that we've been talking about could have or should have been able to stand on their own without like, but I think people really saw the the opportunity to say, Oh, girl band, everyone come see the girl band because they all have vaginas and they all play instruments and they're all girls. So, but no, yeah, I can definitely understand that. I just, I just like the interrupters or like uh, the distillers. I don't know. I was just kind of into, into that, like cool, like punk, chick movement that went on like the early 2000s to I guess Interrupters is kind of newer but still 
I think, well... Maybe it's not, like, my issue with the front woman of Interrupters. I think my issue is just that, like, they sound like all the other ska bands. I right. think that's why I'm mad at them. <laughs> I'm just mad at them. I'm not mad because, like, of having a front woman. I'm mad because they sound the same. I was, like, super excited because they were playing at Strummers in Fresno a couple right. weeks ago. And I was like, oh, cool, like a ska band. Like, I haven't seen a ska band in a long time. And then I listened to them, like... They're, they have no, like, distinct sound, really. Like, it's just, like, the same as all the other ska bands. Because, it, like, it's a new era, too. They're newer. So I was expecting, like, a 2016 ska sound, and it was just, like, the same stuff you hear everywhere. Like, right. Distillers is kind of different, and I like them. Operation Ivy sounds different. They have their own yeah. unique voice, which is what I respect. Yeah. And I think that's just something that happens in music in general, but I think definitely with punk too, it's like, oh, the first one is is better because they did it first, you know? Yes. And I think that's definitely something that happens because it's like, oh, what are you honestly like bringing to the table that's new, you know? Um, and I think that's just something that like can be said about music a lot in general. It's like, oh, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's all it's already been done, you know, but pretty much everything has already been done. But yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like because ska is something that you could experiment so much with, you know, and it's like, yeah, I could definitely see where that like in terms of originality, like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, take advantage of it, and I think <laughs> no doubt kind of took advantage of all aspects of their their style. They're like, you know what? We have a woman as a vocalist, so we're going to write, like, female-ish songs, but also make them very ska, and then get really punk with them as well. So they took advantage of all aspects of what made them uh, punk, having a woman as a vocalist, and being around the 90s to the 2000s. So they kind of, like... They were like, that was like the best campaign to do. They're like, okay, let's make sad breakup songs, but then make them punk rock and then take advantage of all the reggae sounds they have. And then not only that, get more pop as we get older, but also still stay true to what we have, which is a a vocalist who takes advantage. I'm a punk singer. Turns out she's not like the reason she's like, okay, I'm going to say this. And I know it's a little bit, uh, nitpicky but Gwen Stefani not the best vocalist but she took advantage of the fact by saying I'm punk rock (laughs) and I like that I like that about Gwen Stefani slash no doubt is they're like yeah like I don't have to sound good because I'm punk rock and I love that so much (laughs) how do you feel about Gwen Stefani no doubt no, I think No Doubt was definitely, like, again, in that category of, like, the first one to do it was was the best because they were the first, you know? Yeah. I think that they took advantage of, like, the, their timing. And it's, like, a lot of the bands that we talk about, a lot of, like, new wave or alternative bands, like, even though their music, you can listen to it whenever, it's so much, like, it you'll never really experience it the same, like, as if you were listening to it in its time, you know? Yeah. So, 
I mean, I, I, I don't, I like No Doubt. I think they're a, a pretty cool band. I think what they did was cool, and I think they really took advantage of their time, of the time when they came out, you know? Yeah, and I think they totally took advantage of it, and I just love it. I love, like, the... They're, I love their band, but then I was thinking about Gwen Stefani because she has so many new solo albums and stuff. Like She has like three solo albums. And I like that the reason why we accept the fact that she's not that good of a singer is because she's, like, she's the smartest woman out there. She's like, yeah, I was in a punk band, so it's okay that I write pop music, but I don't sound that good. And I think that's why I like her so much. It's because she's yeah. like taking so much credit for this like punk scene that she was a part of and then going into pop music and she's like you know what i'm making pop different i'm like you're not you just don't sound that good (laughs) and i also can't dance but it's called skanking (laughs) i knew going into this i was gonna talk a lot of shit (laughs) (laughs) like i knew like i knew like I heard, like my viewership is eighteen to thirty year olds, and I and I barely have. I'm on the cusp of like eighteen year olds, but I know like after this, like they're done with me. They're mad. I'm talking about uh, Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day and insulting Gwen Stefani. But here's the thing: old people will love this shit. They they agree with me. I know they do. <laughs> now. Now, after this long rant, I want to leave people with something good to check out. And, you know, like, I want you to leave with something other than negative emotions about all these bands. (laughs) I want you to leave with, like, things of value and to be more well-rounded. Because this is what this show is all about. It's about coming away with new things to check out and new things to tell your friends. Right. And also, when you have a YouTube binge binge watching, um, here's some new things to binge on. So, as usual, we're going to leave you with a list of uh, songs or bands to check out uh, after this. So, take it away. <laughs> Alright. So, bands to check out. I have a long list, but I will preface this by saying Joy Division probably the only band that you will ever need in your life. <laughs> Well, but Joy Division's the only one you'll ever need in your life. <laughs> but some other ones I have, I've already mentioned them a little bit, but uh, there's The Clash, Gen X, Billy Idol. Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but David Bowie, uh, Blondie, if you're into... If you're kind of into, like, the mid-'70s New York punk scene, I'd suggest checking out Blondie. Uh, the Damned, The Jam, Devil... Devo, uh, Undertones, uh, 999, and Talking Heads. Those are some pretty cool bands, but again, Joy Division's the only one that you'll ever, like, need to experience, like, true euphoria, you know? Oh, totally. So, here's my list of bands I want you to check out after the Sage Advice episode. The Smiths, The Cure, uh, Sonic Youth, uh, Sonic Youth is fantastic. So I think The Smiths, The Cure, and Sonic Youth would be the best way to go. And, of course, Joy Division. You have to check out Joy Division. I mean, 
They had very, like, I think they maybe only had, like, two and a half albums, if they even had two albums. But just those two albums, or the very few albums they had, they were all really good. And, uh, I think Lou Reed, I know, like, he's very punk rock, but he also fits under, like, the category of being different, and he started it all. Lou Reed set up the tone. Like, he set the tone of aesthetics and lyrics. So I want you to check out Lou Reed, and if... And, you know, mentioning David Bowie, I think David Bowie and Lou Reed are, like, on the same level, but Lou Reed was more dark, so uh, maybe that was a bit of controversy. I don't know. Tell me 